looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Past the Post. We're back for 2023. It's February 5. Thanks for your company, and over the next hour... We're going to dissect all of the racing action from yesterday. It's starting to build. We're still officially in summer, but as we often say in racing, it feels like autumn because we're headed towards these big autumn carnivals in Melbourne and then, of course, in Sydney. I'm broadcasting from Adelaide this morning. Ben Dorries is in the Brisbane studio. He's back from his summer sojourn, and he's fit and ready to go. Ben, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. Unfortunately, though, this morning... I'm in mourning. The Brisbane Heat. I don't know if you saw it last night. Oh, God, how they lost that big bash final is beyond me. I was actually there 10 years ago to cover their first grand final over there in Perth, which they won. So I was sitting on my couch cheering them home last night, and unfortunately they just stuffed it up in the last four overs. But anyway, enough of that. It it will come as a shock to most of our listeners that I actually caught the tail end of this in my hotel room, and you I think the best way to describe it would be, would be nail-biting. It went right down to the, the wire. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, the, the scorch is getting the result. Good day of racing yesterday. We'll get straight into it. Of course, don't forget to Archer Park Racing present past the post. They're with us again. Uh, they've bought up big after the Magic Million sales, and now the process comes about where you can get involved, what percentage you want, big or small. But the website's the place to go to, archerparkracing.com.au, because... You can see what's for sale, the breeding background, what the trainers, what the experts think of them, and how much is left in them. But they are selling pretty fast too, so check out that website, archerparkracing.com.au. I thought we'd visit Royal Randwick first up. We'll go to the Eskimo Prince, the eighth race of the day. And I think this was the performance of the day. If you wanted to rate one on top, I think this was it. The horse, of course, is called Aft Cabin from the Godolphin Yard. James McDonald was riding. He was resuming. Let's listen to the replay. Capital Queen really being eyeballed here by Toronomica. A length and a half to the favourite aft cabin on the outside of Zoo Tiger. Marquand already getting itchy fingers on Zoo Tiger as they straighten up. Toronomica races to a narrow lead now from Capital Queen. Aft cabin is still cruising in third, followed by Communist Williamsburg Zoo Tiger under a very vigorous ride looking for clear running. McDonald said go now and aft cabin. And the favourite races two lengths clear. Zoo Tiger goes to second, then came Communist, but it's a great return to race for Aft Cabin, a big winner Zoo Tiger second, Communist third in front of Brosnan, Osipenko next followed in by uh, Toronomica a big gap back to Williamsburg Sajardin and Capital Queen I think Darren Flindell summed it up well, it was a great return to racing by Aft Cabin uh, James McDonald, he had a, a great day, when doesn't he have a great day four winners there yesterday at Royal Randwick Aft Cabin was one of them and he was able to not only win, but win very impressively, win with authority. Finn Cox, of course, is the managing director of Godolphin Australia. He always is very generous with his time on Past the Post and other programs with us, and great to have him on on my first show back this morning. Vin, good morning. Oh, good morning, David. Welcome back. I gather you had a break. Well, I'm actually still I'm still officially away, but the, the break's just about over, but I was at Morfordville yesterday, and it was, it was great watching half cab, and we wanted to see this horse come back in the manner in which he did. It was a peach of a ride. He was there to present at the right time. But as I said, I, I think the defining factor was authority. There was time there. And he eased him down that last 30 metres. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, we've always had a, an extremely high opinion of him, and uh, we were disappointed we couldn't sort of uh, get to the Caulfield Guineas last year. And we ultimately won the race in, in any case with Golden Mile. But but this bloke um, we see as uh, you know as a, as a horse of, of significant potential, and um, we were excited to get him back, and and he delivered. And um, you know, you're, you're always a bit nervous leading into a race. Uh, the first run back, but you know he won very, very well. He ran very good time, and J Mac was 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 in raptures about about the performance, as as most commentators were. I reckon it's fair to say, Vinny, he wouldn't look at a place in just about anything this autumn. What is the sort of immediate plan for him? Probably Randwick Guineas, I, I guess. But what's what's the what's the autumn entail? Do you think? Uh, good morning, Ben. Look, I, I think uh, Randwick Guineas definitely. Um, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves just yet. We'd, we'd like to get him through his grades a little bit. Um, so Hobartville, Randwick Guineas. There is also the option of the Australian Guineas at, at Flemington on the same day. Um, and then after that, we where we go, you know, we we could sort of look at. You know, assuming he's racing well, um, that you know, things like the George Ryder or a Doncaster or an all-age stakes, something like that. We talked about authority there yesterday with the Eskimo Prince. There was authority in that, that prelude win that day. He, he beat them easily and, of course, then had to miss the guineas. Uh, had, had that bleeding attack. Do, do horses that, that go through this, do they have to be managed differently considering the potential he's got or... Um, oh, it, it's just something you have in the back of your mind. I, 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 I wouldn't be game to to try and describe what what James does, but uh, you know he's 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 in charge of that side of it, and and obviously does a very good job. So, but look, it's, it's something that's in the back of your mind. You, you know, God forbid, have happened again. Um, he's out of racing. So, um, so yeah, but we don't see it as we've never seen him as a bleeder. He's never shown any signs of it. Um, it was that one incident at that track work. Um, at, at Flemington, where he came back and it was a very, very minor um, bleed as it was. So um, so we've never been all that concerned about it. Um, so hopefully it, it doesn't haunt us again. How does he stack up, do you think? I suppose Golden Mile, we all remember winning, um, you know, the Caulfield Guineas. How, how does he stack up, do you think, against his, his stable, mate? Are they similar ability? Has this guy got, got a, a bigger sort of X factor about him going forward, do you think? Or, or how do you line them up? Um, well, I think I think probably the fact that Af Cabin he's got unrealised talent um, is is the exciting part. And Golden Mile is a Group One winner and 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 won the Tap Calendar or Calendar Tap, whatever they call that race now. Um, and he's come back and at Wait for Age against the old horses and run incredibly last Saturday week. Uh, they're both, funnily enough, by Stern, who's an exciting young stallion prospect. And um, look, I think. To use your word, Ben, the X factor is he's still well and truly on on aft cabin, and 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 yeah, there's 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 a lot of potential in front of us with him, and that's not to to say Gold Miles not that either. I mean, if one goes to the Randwick Guineas, and potentially the other lands in the Australian Guineas, so it's a it's a great position for us to be in, and uh, we just look forward to what the autumn can bring. You you mentioned there about you know they could very well be split into those two races, which is a a great spot to be in, but is the likelihood now that they will clash in the Hobartville? Um, not ideally, no. Um, we'd probably look at taking one to Melbourne, um, but yeah, we'll have a chat about it tomorrow. We just wanted to get Alf Kevin back on the back to the racetrack 
um, as we did yesterday, um, and we have our racing meeting on Monday morning, so we'll have a good chat about about what we do with them. But unlikely to, to line them up against each other until later in the year, later in the in the in the carnival. Two prong question for you, Vin. Zulfa Carr, uh, very good in Melbourne yesterday. It gives you a, another nice hand there for the Blue Diamond. And every time I speak to you, whether it's on or off air, I'm going to ask you about Anima. I'm just in love with this horse. Can you tell us, <laughs> firstly, Zulfa Carr, what you made of that yesterday? And secondly, what the latest is with Anima? Uh, Zulfa Carr was terrific. Um, he, he won uh, the first two of race of the year down at Flemington uh, back in October. Oh, uh, October? September. Anyway, whenever it was, that October long weekend. Um, in New South Wales, anyway. Um, and he won that very well. He was a little bit disappointing in the Maribyrnong plate, um, but uh, yeah, we've always had a pretty high opinion of him. He's a very mature uh, horse, uh, and he won very, very well. I mean, there's no doubt he got headed, um, but um, you know, Ben Mellon had plenty in reserve and went for him, and then he, and he put the other horse away, who's got pretty good form himself. So... Uh, very exciting win, um, and obviously we're looking very much forward to the Blue Diamond um, with him, and we'll have Barber go around next Saturday, amongst the others, um, in the in the preludes. So hopefully we're going to have a pretty strong hand in the Blue Diamond on Blue Diamond Day. Um, and and your favourite horse, Animo, he's uh, due to run on Saturday um, in the Apollo, and he's he's really ticking over very very well. Uh, he'll come back through the Apollo and. Um, and then on to the Chipping Norton, and uh, we'll see where we go after that. Good on you, Vin. As, as we said at the outset, always appreciate your time. It looks as though it's going to be a great autumn for, for Godolphin, and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you, David. Thank you, Ben. Always happy to, to, to come on here. Vin Cox joining us this morning. is our first guest here on Past the Post. And, and Ben, you've seen the race with Half Cabin. Uh, it was an absolutely perfect ride. Uh, if you were on him, you, you were never anxious, and the horse did the rest. It was it was a, it was a, an emphatic return yesterday. Oh, absolutely! Like it was dead set over fifty metres after the start, wasn't it? When J Mac just got him, you know, in the one out, one back, you know, just cantering. Really, it was almost like a you know, exhibition gallop. The same couldn't be said for Osipenko, uh, the Chris Waller um, galloper, who I reckon's got enormous potential, but just out the back and just the way the race was going to be run was, was never a chance. Got beaten three and a half lengths, but I certainly wouldn't be dropping off Osipenko. I think the might have some big fish to fry uh, this autumn there. Yeah, and no, I, I thought his run was, was, was more than worthy, Osipenko, and, and looking for further, but that horse that ran second, Zoo Tiger, a good horse, and I think that also is another key point to our cabin's performance. Zoo Tiger is well above average, and he beat him pretty comfortably. Zoo Tiger wasn't a disgrace, but he was in a different race to, to Arf Cabin. And it seems as though, just listening to, to Vin there, Arf Cabin, Hobartville, ran with guineas. Sounds like Golden Mile might be headed on a path either state to Melbourne, ending in the Australian guineas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that makes a hell of a lot of sense, doesn't it, to split those two. And just quickly, we asked him about Animo there. Um, Dubai is off the table, I, I gather, for Animo. Vin was, was telling us last late last year that they were looking at, at uh, potentially racing uh, Animo in front of Sheikh Mohammed, uh, the boss of Godolphin in Dubai, but that won't be happening. He could, however, still uh, well, probably very likely, if he performs up to what we think he could do in autumn, still go to Royal Ascot. So that'll be a mouthwatering prospect for those of us who love to watch Royal Ascot. Yeah, certainly. I mentioned J Mac won four of Teddy Nilly, rode half the cut. He was beaten uh, an eyelash on the favourite in the last and then protested unsuccessfully, but he got the ball rolling early. This is our next replay, the listed Lonro plate. 
He's aboard a first starter called Madeira Sunrise, but the favourite is the leader Sicilian. Torfik Star leads up the rise from Sicilia, Madeira Sunshine chiming in now, and uh, Madeira Sunrise on the outside of Sicilian they're two lengths clear from Portarosa. it's Madeira Sunrise and Sicilian fighting it out, Madeira Sunrise ahead in front to Sicilian Madeira Sunrise just in front Madeira Sunrise beats Sicilian a length off them, Portarosa third a good gap back to Miss Belgium and Torfik Star was last in Dear Sunrise, a good performance, and I am invincible filly. She was actually a Magic Millions graduate. They paid 200000 for her. She trialled well twice leading into this race, and she was game running down Sicilian and Portarosa, who had no early speed. Best work late in third. Yeah, for sure. The race changed, didn't it, before the start with Mexico, the, the stable mate of the eventual winner being scratched at the barriers. So Mexico will, will have to uh, live to fight another day. Look, a, a nice win, but I've got to say, David, I, I um, was at Eagle Farm yesterday, uh, spent a, a fair portion of the day actually talking to Tony Gollan about various things. It was a fairly quiet day for most of the day at Eagle Farm. And we just said, look, there's nothing that sort of stands out really on stalks from a, a, you know, a golden slipper point of view at the moment. And that's shown in the fact that, yes, that was a nice win yesterday, that horse. But Tony Gollan's Magic Millions winner, Skirt the Law, I think after winning the Magic Millions was $15. It's now $8 from doing nothing, just staying at home in her box. So I think that price fluctuation there probably tells you that there's nothing really grabbing punters and sort of bookmakers that says, back me from a golden slipper point of view. No, a bit of water to flow under the bridge, and of course we'll see this blue diamond lead up during February with those preludes, and then the blue diamond at the end of the month, and of course we kick in with the lead ups to the to the golden slipper. But yeah, I, I think Tony would be of the opinion he wouldn't swap any horse for Skirt the Law. She's been there and done it, and she's going to have an ideal preparation going into the golden slipper. That was the two-year-old race yesterday. Let's go to the sixth race of the day. This was the the mile event. Uh, the Drinkwise Mile. Banju's been a horse who's taken a big step in a fairly short time, and he was set out at $1.95 to make it a city hat trick. Let's see how he fared. Love Tap trying to pinch this, and Love Tap opens up by two lengths now on the favourite Banju, and now Reese Jones gets to work on the favourite. Love Tap in front, Banju's getting closer with every stride, and they're well clear from the rest. Knight of Power going to third. It's Banju joining Love Tap. Banju puts the head in front from Love Tap. No compromises, rattling home. Banju gets a length in front. Look at no compromise, thundering home. Banju won it by three quarters. No compromise. Ah, flashing run into second, just in front of Love Tap and Knight of Power, then came Sacramento for the back to Sulcombe from New Spirit, and Beaufort Park was last in. Well, punters were all over him. He took a big weight drop, didn't he? Eight and a half kilos with Reese James's claim, so, and he was always going to get a good run on the map, but that panned out that way, and Banjo achieved the city hat-trick. Drawn by Lyle Chandler at Scone, and Lyle is joining us now. Lyle, good morning. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ben. Congratulations. I've been on holidays, but I had the chance to listen to you and Steve during the week. Steve Hewlett, very entertaining interview, and you gave us a lot about your background. And you must have a lot of knowledge in that head. You've, you've had a lot of overseas experience, and you've had some really good experience here in Australia as well, and now you're doing it yourself. Yeah, um, I, think, I think it's valuable to get that that experience uh, in Australia as well as abroad. Um, you know, I often look at people like, you know, the impact Brad Whittap had when he started training. Obviously, he had, you know, he had done his time and uh, I wanted to make sure I was sort of pretty well experienced myself. And, yes, yeah, it's, it's always nice to have um, 
different experiences on different issues, uh, and uh, I think it pays off in the end. Lyle, I read a story recently that you said when you came over from South Africa, you only had $300 to your name. That's extraordinary. Is that right? Do you, re- you remember what you did with the $300? <laughs> no, it was, I was actually coming from England. I, I came over on a, um, a flight for, uh, full of horses and um, over from, um, from England and with a few imports. I think we had um, some of the names on there. It was City Moon. It was a, quite a... Uh, Sort of well documented import, and also um, Araldo um, eventually lost his, you know, kicked the fence or something on Melbourne Cup day. But so I came over with a with a bunch of horses, and I scrapped my car in England for for three hundred dollars. I know it doesn't sound a lot, but they don't hold much value there, and and, and that's what I had. Um, and then I spent the two weeks in quarantine. And uh, when I was in quarantine, the manager put me in touch with some some work uh, with Robert Smurden and. Uh, you know, that's how I sort of started getting into the stables in Australia. I know you told this story to Steve during the week on Racing HQ, but it's worth telling again and to, to give compliment to, to those who own Benju. How did you come to get the horse? Yeah, so it's through a, a friend. Uh, when I was working, I was, I was working as a flying groom over in, in the UK, and I um, I, I met uh, Ben Justin, whose parents owned Chatsworth Park outside of Scone, and he was working for Judmont and uh, we became friends and we sort of always kept in contact and, and I was very frustrated over in the UK I, I couldn't get an opportunity to get back into training like I had done in South Africa and uh, Ben was saying to me well you know go to Australia go to Australia so uh, I eventually um, you know came to Australia and then you know long story short when I when I branched out uh, his father reached out and said I've got this horse for you so it uh, it worked out really well it's it's not easy, is it, to win three races in a row anywhere, even in the bush, let alone three metro races in a row. So, I mean, I guess well done on that. But what's the future for this horse? Do you set the bar high now? What what do you sort of look at going forward? Yeah, I um, I, I just thought I'd see obviously how it pulls up and, and it might take the next sort of two or three days. And I'd also be keen to see what sort of benchmark the uh, handicapper gave him. Uh, be, being a local horse... Uh, probably not so much now. He's, he's probably starting to get a little bit dour at the mile, but you know, I think he is a good mile, and maybe the Scone Cup might be on on the radar for the future. Uh, but if, if we're not probably high enough in the rating to guarantee a run, I'd be pretty tempted to take him to the Parramatta Cup over 1,900 metres. I think I think he'll be weighted okay in that, and um, I think, as I say, I think he's fit enough now to to um, to tackle that step up in distance. And in a way, it's quite nice to see him just that little bit more settled. I mean, he did throw his head just temporarily on Saturday, but I think he'll settle now for obviously the slightly reduced tempo of the 1,900 metres. That rating of his will go to, to near enough to 90 after, after yesterday. You made that point then about that he threw his head about a bit. I know when you spoke to Steve during the week uh, with the blinkers, uh, since the blinkers have gone on, they've... They've reaped results. They've paid dividends. But uh, going to 1900, you did mention that maybe you might review the situation with the Bleakers, maybe go back to Winkers. Have you had any more thought about that after yesterday's win? Yeah, I, I think if we do press on, I'd be pretty confident um, that we'd be okay with the Blinkers. I, I think, you know, I sort of said to Reese yesterday, he's quite fresh and, um, you know, been three weeks between the runs. But if we, if we go to the Parramatta Cup, we'll be two weeks and I think he'll be... I think it'll be just fine with the blinkers on. Um, we've just got to hope we can get a nice gate.
He's obviously the, the flag bearer for you, Lyle, but anything else we can, any little sneakies from your stable that we can keep an eye on um, sort of going forward, either uh, autumn, winter, later in the year? Have you got a nice one coming through? Um, probably probably too early to tell. I have got, a, I don't want to mention two names, but I have got two um, two nice horses from breeders. One's a colt uh, by Merchant Navy and another's Supido uh, uh, Philly. And, you know, they're both half to stakes winners and they've certainly pleased me, but they've only got to the jump out stage and they'll be sort of going to the trials, uh, you know, in the next, uh, one of them will be in the next month and the other will be in sort of two months' time. So I'm really hoping they can... They can um, they can step up and it'd be nice to be able to back up what we've done with Banjo with another horse in town to, to to show we can do it all the time and um, yeah so that's sort of where I'm at the moment but I'm I'm just very happy that um, the horses seem to hold their form I mean I'm obviously at that situation where you know I, I get horses of all kinds of ability and um, whatever their ability we seem to we seem to sort of uh, keep their you know they hold the form while the horses they you know you know, second, third, first, you know, they, they're sort of thereabouts, or maybe if they're slightly limited, they still seem to be beaten by the same margin regularly. So I think, we, you know, I'm very happy with the way everything is running, and I just, just hope we can, um, yeah, just increase the quality and have a bit more success. Well, he's a horse, horse very much in form. You'll raise the bar again with the Parramatta Cup. Good luck. Just before you go, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Uh, that is about, uh, I'm 40 this year, so I've, I've been around the block a bit. Oh, well, you have, but uh, you've amassed a lot of knowledge in, in that time and it's, it's starting to pay dividends now. And a horse like Ben Jew certainly keeps your name in lights and that's, that surely will help you in the future with people hopefully giving you horses. Thanks for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me on. Luke Chandler, the trainer of Ben Jew, um, keeping favourite back as happy as Darren outlined in the broadcast. Great run by No Compromise, last year's Metrop winner. Uh, admittedly, saving ground along the rail, but finishing well. Your thoughts on Sulcombe first up yesterday, Ben? Oh, poor, I, I would have thought. Um, for a horse that, um, you know, is promising the world, uh, I, I thought was fairly poor. Uh, I, I must admit, I, I've just watched this race live. I haven't gone back and had a look at it again. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was disappointing. Uh, having said that, you know the ability's there. Um so yeah, a bit of a head scratcher though yesterday. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a watch again. He was slow out, but you'd probably describe his performance as sluggish. Sluggish. There was just no real, you know, zip or or spark there, and not that we were expecting him to explode home and win. But I think uh, most, if not all, of us thought there might have been a bit more finishing effort there. Good sideline to this story. One of the part owners of of Banjo is Ron Bonilla. And, of course, I'm in Adelaide at the moment. Ron Bonilla was a very successful bookmaker here for many, many years uh, at the, the, the races, particularly at the trots, actually. And he had a, a great uh, time yesterday. His horse, Kai Shaka, won at Morfordville just after 2 o'clock. And then within the hour, Benju chalked up the hat-trick at, at Royal Randwick. So for Ron and the family, congratulations. Still going strong, and he would have had a, a great day yesterday. We're looking back at Royal Randwick yesterday here on Past the Post. Let's move to the Yarraman Park Handicap, the benchmark 94. 
Remark was first up, and putters stayed with him. He was the $3.50 favourite. Cote swings the corner in front by three quarters to fours and easy. A quick tempo is taking a rails run. Remark being cuddled under his big weight clear from Dragonstone. Sabinac trying to work into the race. There's many across the track. And Remark, Clark goes full bore. Remark moved up to take the lead from Cote, Forzanini. And then came Sabinac. But Remark brave and Remark a great first up win. Beat Dragonstone. Oh, where do you look for third? Sebenyak the middle, wide out Andermatt, and Forzanini not far away with Cote. Cote more prominent, then Quick Tempo, and Classy JB. I don't know a lot about the background of Remark, of course, trained by Team Hawks, but uh, he's a horse who, that was only his 11th start yesterday for his fourth win, but that was the start of his fifth racing campaign. He has very short racing campaigns, so whether there are issues or he has to be manage a bit more than others I'm not sure but when he's good he's very good he's been sometimes a little disappointing but yesterday uh, all honours all plaudits because he carried the big weight and he was strong to the line yeah absolutely he was a gonna do this gonna do this sort of horse he was a teaser but looking just at his sort of recent form he's won three out of his last four and the other run was in the group three Sydney Stakes a, a very strong race uh, only got beaten a length and a half so I think we can probably wipe out of our minds that this horse potentially was a bit of a pretender early in his career. Um, carried the 62 kilos there, um, you know, one by a length in, in great style. So, look, I think the horses have always been convinced there's a Group 1 horse, if you don't mind, uh, under the bonnet. And I think they were even thinking potentially of heading to Melbourne um, and having a, a throw out the stumps in the Oakley Plate. So, look, they, they know there's the ability there. It's just a matter of harness, harnessing it. I couldn't have backed him with 62 kilos on his back yesterday, but plenty did. He started $3.50 and won with arrogance. Yeah, it's a story for another day, but people often talk about big weights over short distances. Do they mean a lot? So I'm, I'm one in the in the quarter that even if, they, even if they've got the big weight, like remarked in 62 I'm not as concerned when it's over a 1,000 metres, but as you get every 200 metres longer, it gets a little heavier to carry. But anyway, the bottom line was Remark was good winning yesterday first up. Let's uh, conclude our look at Royal Rambic. We'll go to the ninth race of the day. And this was a blowout for punters with Claim the Crown, claiming the prize right on the line. It's Star Sparks from Shandon Burge. Mon Felicity pulls three wide. High Court's four wide. Wine Glass Band, a bumping match with Claim the Crown. Now, well back on the inside as Kettle Hill hasn't warmed up yet. Star Sparks in front. High Court made the move. So did Claim the Crown the outside. Mon Felicity starting to dig in and Wine Glass Bay. Forget about Kettle Hill. They're right across the track. Claim the Crown. High Court. Wine Glass Bay clear from Mon Felicity. Wine Glass Bay and Claim the Crown. Wine Glass Bay. Claim the Crown. Lunsden got up, right on the post, claimed the crown nosed out Wineglass Bay High Court third, Mon Felicity fourth uh, punters got burnt again by the Kettle, Kettle Hill making minor headway at the end, further back to Yukon Star Sparks, then came Shandon Burge from Orbital Express nothing sweet about me and M Vita Claim the crown, a British import having its second run for Annabelle Neesham it didn't fire at a midweek at Warwick Farm so I suppose that's the reason it was set at very liberal odds yesterday, but a, a good win, a patient ride by Chad Schofield. He let the horse find his feet about third or fourth last and then made his move. And when he made his move, there was plenty underneath Chad and he was able to get up on the line and knock a few out of the, or knock many out of the quaddy. Yeah, Annabelle Neesham's Sydney stable is in terrific form, isn't it? Her name keeps popping up in the winner's stall. Um, 
as you say, former British import, four starts ago, if you don't mind, was running in a field of 30, a field of 30 at Ascot. <laughs> he had to beat 10 rivals yesterday and did it nicely. Probably just, I guess, if you could somehow forgive that uh, first up run, and it was first up in Australia coming from Britain, uh, you know, getting out 1,800, probably more in its sweet spot. Uh, so if you're prepared to sort of make an excuse or two for the first up run, uh, you probably could have had something on it at the $26 yesterday. They were the highlights from Royal Ramwick yesterday, and of course, uh, as we start to build towards the autumn, next Saturday, the Apollo, and as Ben and uh, Vin outlined, Animo makes his return. He will clearly be the highlight. Let's turn our attention now to Sandown. They raced on the hillside track yesterday. We'll go to the Group 3, Jeff Balmain. Stakes and Road to Arataki was the favourite. Road to Arataki, first to straighten, 500 metres to go. By length, Ballet Reese, then Dazzling Lucy, Exolita. Then Watch Me Dance, Vespertine hooked to the outside. And they were followed by Forbidden City. And Snap looks to run on. Road to Arataki at the 250 into overdrive. Ballet Reese moves up on her outside about a neck away. Still Road to Arataki. Ballet Reese chiselling away. Forbidden City late. But Road to Arataki with 50 metres to go. Going well. And Road to Arataki will win again, racing so well. Road to Arataki has won it from Ballet Riche, Forbidden City, Vespertine. Then came Snapped and behind them Exolita. Next to finish in the race was Dazzling Lucy and then came Watch Me Dance. Towards the end of the field was Passione Standoff and Miltita. Road to Arataki, back-to-back city wins. Putters were happy. She was the $3.20 favourite. JB Carr rode and a pure delight watching her she rated this horse to perfection, just building on the tempo bit by bit, and there was a strong kick of the drive to the line. She's a good mare, this one, trained by Matt Williams at Warrnambool, and he's our next guest on Pass the Post. Matt, good morning. Morning. Congratulations. One thing that I, I found interesting about this mare, uh, we used to see her earlier in her career come from the, the back of the field, sit back and run on strongly, Uh all of a sudden, she went to the front and won at Flemington, and she did it again yesterday. So was this a tactic device, or did it just happen? Uh, a little bit of probably tactic device. We just we kept drawing a bad gate. We could not draw a barrier with her at all. So we were riding a quiet the first couple, and, you know, she was getting home good, and she was actually running really well, um, but just sort of giving them too much of a start and had too much work to do. So we pretty much got to Flemington and said, well, we're... If we go back, it looked to be no pace on paper that day, and um, sort of if we go back here, we're, we're going to be finishing off good, running maybe running into the money, but probably not ever really giving her a winning chance. So we just let, threw the reins at Jamie and said, um, be a bit positive and we'll leave the rest to you. I'm probably surprised to see her in front that day, but <laughs> she she led and, um, yeah, probably just worked out a new little way of riding her, I guess. Gee, she's as tough as old boots, isn't she, Matt? She she just uh, she doesn't want to let anything get past her, and she's she's really tenacious. That's a that's a great quality to have in a horse. Yeah, she is. Jamie said, especially there yesterday when the other horse sort of looked like it was going to sort of come at her. She said she was never going to let it pass. She was just yeah, she was out on her legs the last fifty. She just felt that she'd been she raced a little bit fresh uh, with the month in between runs, and uh, probably just took a little bit of the gas out of her late, but. Um, she said she just she very genuine and honest. She just wanted to keep flying the line and keeping her head in front. It's only her fourth run this campaign, but her first up run was was back in mid November. We're now in early February. But is the spacing of the runs uh, purposeful, or is it just just happened by where, what the programming is? Uh, it was probably a little bit per- purposeful that she's 
she's not a she's not a heavy mare. She she does well at home, but she's a little bit you'd say lightly frame sort of mare, um, and she can tend to tighten up quite quick in a preparation. So we were spacing them a bit for that reason. Um, we give her the month in between just to have a, have her as good as we could for this uh, race yesterday that um, we, we could present her there in as good order as, as, as we could see her in. And, um, yeah, she probably um, just, yeah, just probably having that month in between, she just was a little bit too fresh. So mm. Jamie said, try and find something in a fortnight for her. And just while she even keep that edge off her a little bit, that'll just keep help, help her relax. She felt she relaxed better at Flemington and she'd probably give a better kick at Flemington that day. Um, so we'll, we'll look at something there in a couple of weeks for probably that, that Tresaday stakes. Yeah, terrific. Th- throwing back 12 months, uh, Matty, she um, won uh, maiden at Warnable. Um, gee whiz, lots happened in 12 months. What did you think, throwing back in mind 12 months, what did you, you know, she won that in nice style by a couple of lengths. Did you, you obviously didn't think she'd be a group three one winner one day, I, I wouldn't have thought. What did you have sort of, <laughs> what did you think the future was after she won a maiden? Yeah, look, she, she's always shown ability that, um, you know, she was going to win win races. You, but no, you don't you don't think you're going to be winning a group race when you win your maiden. You just hope that you can take the steps forward. And, you know, some horses can do that. And they keep improving each time they go around. Um, she's done that. And she's got a bit of confidence out of, you know, having a couple of wins. And um, we've sort of spaced her and been pretty, pretty soft on her, I would say. So we haven't sort of hammered her uh, with racing and, and, and kept her... Um, you know, lovely and sound. That's probably you know a big tick for her. She's she's um, yeah, very clean in the joints and that. So she's, she's certainly got a bit of racing left in her. And you know, if she can keep improving, well, she might be able to raise the bar again. But I, but you know, I uh, did think yesterday we probably had a you know as good as we could possibly have her for that race. So I wouldn't say there's much improvement off that uh, win yesterday. But if she can hold that, she can certainly you know stay competitive in that similar race on that group three mare's grade and she might when she has a spell she's been a little bit slow maturing sort of horse so um, potentially she might um, you know find another length or two uh, when she does have a break and, and next preparation well great result for the owners and, and, and your stable yesterday because it's always important to get, to get black type for these mares and she's done it she's a group three winner she's got the black type and you've got a you've got a very well managed product. It was only a tenth start for a fourth win. So, fingers crossed we will see her in the Tress today in two weeks' time. But you got the result yesterday. Good work, and thanks for being with us. No worries. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Matt Williams from Warnable trains right to Aratakian. As I said, Ben, uh, when you watch Jamie Carr in action, just poetry in motion, just rated her beautifully. So if you're on her, you're always on good terms with yourself. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh... See Ben Mellon ran second to her, eh? <laughs> Wonder what the talk at the dinner table is like after those sort of results. <laughs> Let's go to a couple of other highlights at, at Sandown Hillside yesterday. We'll go to the following race. Now, Detonator Jack, uh, he's a horse who is in very good form, but he's always short of the market. And this was the case yesterday. Pundas sent him out at $1.65, but unlike Road to Arataki, if you're on Detonator Jack, you start to worry furlong by furlong. Here's the replay. 
So Nancho at the 600 metres, two lengths right you are, Stars of Karam. Then came Nerve Not Verve to the outside Bell Toro, Detonator Jack. Alan hasn't flinched yet, just starting to come on. Still seven off the lead. So it's Nancho at the 400 metres. Right you are, strides up on the outside to claim it. Three lengths, Stars of Karam, Bell Toro and Detonator Jack still coming on. But right you are, has stolen a march, 200 to go. Two lengths, three lengths in front of Bell Toro, Detonator Jack. It's all right you are. Right you are is going to win it easily. It is the three, Pete. Right you are bolted in. Beltoro second. Detonator Jack third. Then Grand Promenade Stars of Caram. Nancho, Nerve Not Verb and a maid. As I mentioned, was under pressure a long way from home and finished a clear last. Kieran Murray and David Eustace train Right You Are. Ethan Brown had the ride. And Ben, as I said, watching the race, uh, Jamie Mott slowed them up on Nancho in the middle part and you sort of knew that Detonator Jack was going to have to put in a very big sprint to win, and he, in the end he wasn't quite equal to the task. Yeah, I think if you backed Detonator Jack, the less said about that race, the better. You were just never a hope, were you? But uh, Ethan Brown, um, he's had a you know an interesting career. He's been in the headlines some, sometimes. He's had a little stints on the sidelines. He's been here, there, and everywhere. But gee, gee whiz, he's in terrific form at the moment. I'd love to see his strike rate recently. I reckon it'd be... Fabulous and just a really smart, smart ride on this horse, right? You are, um, which is probably a bit underestimated, just given the hype that Detonator Jack, um, you know, had going to this race. He's he's a six-year-old, right? You are, but he's only had the 18 starts after yesterday. That was his seventh win and his third on the bounce in the city. So, again, well managed, well uh, well looked after by Marin Eustace, and he was uh, advantage just sitting there trailing Nancho, stalking Nancho with Detonator Jack. Out the back of the bus. So sectionally wise, I think it played an important part to the outcome of this race. But right, you are was there to present at the right time, and right, you are got the money. Let's have a listen to one further replay from Sandown Hillside yesterday. We'll go to the first leg of the quaddy, and this one knocked most out. Carlisle. Here's the replay. Fujita San, who's tracking the favourite wherever it goes from Northern Eero, Conqueror, William Thomas, Carlisle and Hickok. Morrissey at the 450, just in front of He's Exceptional and Thorin. Daytona Bay just needs an out. Going back towards the inside, has a wall in front of it. Crestani chiming in and Carlisle right down the outside. Now Daytona Bay has got out. Can it accelerate? At the 150, Carlisle from Crestani, Daytona Bay. William Thomas is coming through and then Hickok. Carlisle in front at the 50 from William Thomas Hickok, Carlisle, Carlisle's going to win it, Carlisle a neck, second Hickok, William Thomas, then Daytona Bay, further back Conqueror, Cristani, Fujita, San, next to finish Northern Eero, Morrissey, Thorin, and a long last, he's exceptional. Of course, Carlisle won on Oaks Day during the, the Flemington Carnival last year, his record was good, 5 from 15, but he was unwanted in betting $31, so that was a knockout for the first leg of the quaddy, but... A good performance came from the second half of the field, covered ground and was too strong, under 60 kilos. Yeah, and even more meritorious when you have a look at the stewards' report and see this horse had to undergo a vet's examination on arrival at the hall, at the course and again at the barriers after being really fractious uh, in the float on race, en route to the to the course, obviously part being passed suitable to race, but that's never an ideal <laughs> preparation for a race. No. I wouldn't have thought, especially when you're a $31 chance. So... Yeah, terrific win. I thought Fujita San was disappointing. Um, yeah, Alex copped a, a little bit of interference, I think, when sort of being tightened for room there for a few strides. But, um, you know, nothing, saw nothing out of the box. I think Damien Oliver f felt that Fujita San 
would uh, benefit from the run, but would want to, I think, to be um, you know competitive against the big guns in the autumn. Daytona Bay was the $2 favourite. I'm going to give him a forgive because... He was held up in traffic when he wanted to go. He couldn't. He couldn't build momentum. And once he got out, he then had to try and dash, but um, wasn't. Well, certainly wasn't quite equal to the task. But I'm giving him a forgive. Of course, next Saturday, Group One racing with the CF4. I'm Thunderstruck and Jack and O. They're currently four dollar co-favorites on tab with Tuvalu at six dollars, and then eleven dollars. Mr. Brightside Nugget and Valana. That's coming up next Saturday. But this is past the post, February 5. Thanks for your company. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll look at some of the highlights from the meeting at Eagle Farm yesterday. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Good to have you with us on Past the Post this morning. We're in the home straight now, and uh, let's have a look back at some of the highlights from Eagle Farm yesterday. And we'll go to the first race. Race one was the two-year-old, Bedorb, the speedy Bedorb, was the $2.70 favourite. Let's go to Josh Fleming's replay. Bedorb here by three quarters. Second is Mashani Ambitious. And third, the inside, Big Boy Ben. Further back to Glass of Rose. I know Polly getting towards the outside, but still six or seven lengths off the leader. Bedorb is well clear. Three lengths in front. Second is Mashani Ambitious. On the outside, Glass of Rose. Further back to Big Boy Ben. There's no O, Polly, but the leader is Bedorb. Well clear. Three lengths in front. Running home well. Glass of Rose on the outside. And further back to Mashani Ambitious. Bedorb in front. Lifting like Glass of Rose. Bedorb, Glass of Rose. Lunges and might have got up on the line. Maybe Glass of Rose and nose to Bedorbin photos though. Not sure third. Big boy Ben O'Polly followed by Mashani Ambitious further back to rev it up Charlie and on your bike Charlie at the rear. Well Glass of Rose was a $15 chance. Got there in the nick of time to beat uh, the favourite Bedorb. There's a good story to this um, uh, filly Glass of Rose. I read with interest on Racenet this morning and we're going to talk more about it now with the winning trainer Jeff Dunn. Jeff good morning. Yeah, morning, guys. How are you going? Yeah, well, and congratulations. I want to ask a left field question first, and if I look like an idiot out of this, I'll 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 wear it. Were you the Matthew J. Dunn from Bow Desert? That's my brother. That's you. So that's the brother. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because we always used to when we when we first started seeing him training, we used to sort of confuse him with, of course, Matt Dunn who's based in Wollombar and Sydney for a while, but you're Jeff Dunn, the brother of Matthew J. Dunn. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we both train out at the same uh, facility here in Bow Desert. And, um, yeah, Matt's got a heap of horses. He does a lot of uh, break, uh, fixing up and breaking in uh, barrier roads and things like that. Hey, Jeff, fabulous, fabulous win yesterday. It's Ben Doris here, uh, mate. Uh, look, I'd love you just to tell our listeners a bit of your backstory because we spoke actually just after your, your horse was um, your winning horse was swabbed yesterday I hung around the stables to have a bit of a uh, a chat to you and you do have a fascinating story don't you like you, you were a, for, for quite a while you were a performer at the Australian Outback Spectacular you're a bit of a stuntman on horses you're, a, you're an actor you played a character in the show and, and various other things just just give the listeners a bit of an insight into your story yeah I guess uh, my family always sort of bred Australian stock horses and uh, we sort of dipped our toe in the water with thoroughbreds and that when I was a, a young kid as well. And um, my first job was for a, a, a farm that sort of put yearlings through the sales and things like that when I was 12 years old. And, you know, we've always been around horses and, you know, I, I always sort of had the passion for, for racing. I was a personal trainer for 10 years uh, before I 
sort of got into the training side of things with horses and I guess I just convert a lot of what I did with people over to the horses. Never actually really worked for another trainer. So I guess I come at it from a bit of a different angle to a lot of other trainers. Um, but yeah, I worked at Australian Outback Spectacular, played a uh, character in the show who was pretty pretty cocky and a bit of a ladies' man. So um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that, that that represents me, but that, that that's what that character was anyway. <laughs> and... and uh... How did we come to sort of switch to the horse training side of things? Yeah, I, I always um, loved racing and, you know, I was a personal trainer and, and always in my free time I would, I would just catch myself, you know, doing the form or watching the races and I loved sort of getting into the, the breeding side of things because, you know, horses really don't know how much they cost or, you know, what what blood runs through their veins. But I think that there's always sort of things that, signs that you can see something and everybody can sort of, there's no right or wrong with racing, you know. Um, mm. And for me, it's just my passion, you know. I wake up and I, I, I think about racing and I think about my horses and and that's sort of all I think about all day until I go to bed. <laughs> and you were saying to me yesterday too, Jeff, that um, yesterday's win was a great tonic because Ricky Jamison, who who rode this filly, is obviously your partner. So it was a, for starters, it was a lovely family moment, I guess, for want of a better word. But also, you sort of confided in in Ricky in recent times that while you sort of love training and love what you're doing, you wonder whether you're going to have to go and find a day job because it's not sort of an easy business, isn't it? So this is just a, a lovely little uh, bit of momentum for you, isn't it, going forward? Yeah, 100%. We had, you know, we don't have big numbers and we, we don't spend lots of money on our horses and, and the owner owner of Glass of Rosé, um, he actually has had horses with, with a lot of bigger trainers and, you know, I guess they just weren't getting the one-on-one attention that they would get with a, a little trainer and, you know, I think there's a bit of a perception in the industry that if you want a good horse, you have to have it with a, a big top trainer, you know, and I, I just don't think that's the case. And, you know, sometimes the, the little guy can, can spend a lot more time and effort on your horse than, than what the big guy can. And um, that's certainly what's been so rewarding with this filly. You know, we've spent a lot of time on her and, you know, she was definitely hard work early on, um, but she's really turned the corner and, and all the way through, you know, we've had an opinion of her and, you know, obviously targeting the debut at the Magic Millions was our key and, and that was our plan all the way through. You know, she's had five preps um, in and out, in and out and and this was a sort of prep to, to get to that big race and, and when we missed out there, we um, had to go to plan B and, and, you know, we're stoked to have come up with the result for the owners and and for all the supporters in our stable, yeah. What I liked about the, the story that I read, uh, and we're talking about it now, but you were honest and frank enough to say that it's not easy. Uh, if you're not getting winners, you can struggle financially because the bills keep coming in. They don't stop, but you need results, don't you? And yesterday is a great result for you with, with uh, I think, almost, what, $85,000 you won with the, the cutest money and the like. Yeah, that's right. The, the cutest money is just unbelievable, especially for fillies. And, you know, we... we specifically targeted that race and we specifically targeted that horse uh like we we went farm shopping together we didn't go to the sales we tried to save a bit of money in that way so that we could get a maybe a better horse than what our budget would allow so that we could get a nice horse and um a cutest filly that we could target these sort of races with and you know that that timing of that win was just really really funny it's sort of almost like a sign that you know i'm doing what i should be doing and you know, I, I should stick it out because, you know, 
racing is one of the industries where it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't mean that you're going to get the results. You know, you could work harder than anybody else. It doesn't mean that, that the results are going to come and, and you're going to win those races, you know. So, you know, there's definitely luck involved and there's there's definitely a bit of, you know, who you know. But, you know, we were definitely lucky with that, Philly, that's for sure. I imagine extra special too, being able to um, achieve that with your partner, Ricky, who rode the Philly brilliantly. Did you manage to sort of have a bit of downtime last night and have a quiet champagne or a, a nice little dinner or something? A glass to of rosé. Yeah, a glass of rosé, for instance. glass of rosé, yeah. The owners had a bottle after the race, I know that. Um, <laughs> we, we actually went to uh, a pub up Tambourine Mountain. We live in Tambourine and uh, went up to a pub and it overlooks the the Gold Coast skyline. So we went up there and it was actually Ricky's birthday this week. So we already had that uh, dinner planned with some friends and family. So it was sort of a, a combined event. <laughs> but Great yeah, to it was amazing to, to share that with Ricky, that's for sure. Because, yeah. you know, she she's a very hard worker and a very underrated jockey. And, you know, I think, um, you know, even if, if she wasn't my partner, I'd still be using her because she's just so smart and she can get, especially with these young horses or any, any horses that are, you know, a bit of hard work. She's really good on them, and, and um, you know, she's very underrated, like I said. And she rode the race of her life. She positioned glass of rosé perfectly, peeled out at the right time. The last question to you, did you think you were going to get there? Well, I was actually standing down the, uh, about the 100-metre mark mm-hmm. against the outside fence in the laneway out onto the track, and um, I thought I thought at the 200, I thought, geez, this is a, a, a great second. <laughs> But I, I was screaming at her, and I, I'm sure she heard me because she twitched her ears as she was going past, and it's like she found another gear, and, and she fought all the way to the line, and it was just it was so rewarding because you know I think she's going to eat up the the 1200 meters, and we'll try and target the uh, cutest jewel with her now. For sure, good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning. Really appreciated Thanks. your comments. Thanks so much, guys. There he is, Jeff Dunn, joining us this morning. You know, you, you you spot a good story, Ben. That was a good story yesterday. Yeah, look, he said a, a couple of things to, to Bernie Cooper on Sky Thoroughbred just about his background. I must admit, I knew nothing about Jeff Dunn, but I thought I've got to find out a bit more about this bloke. So I, I literally went and waited at a swapping store for him, and, and we had a nice little 10 minutes together, and he, he told me his life story. And, and I sort of gravitated as, as a journalist towards these sort of stories. I mean, let's face it, it was a pretty quiet old day generally at Eagle Farm yesterday. Uh, you know, this guy was—it was the biggest moment of his of his career. You know, and, and I just—I could tell the emotion that Ricky Jamison had coming back on this filly too. I think her sister uh, helped break the or did break the horse in. So it was, as I said, it was a real family affair. And um, good luck to him. I really hope this does propel him. Uh, you know, I actually said to him yesterday when I when I organised for him to come on our show this morning. I said, look, you know. Um, you potentially have been struggling a little bit with owners and what have you. You're not a big name. You know, come on a show like this, have a chat to us, tell your story. If one owner, you know, hears it and thinks, gee whiz, I like the, like the sound of that guy, well, it's worthwhile, isn't it? And I hope he does get a, a you know, a, a bit of a kick, a bit of a springboard from it. 100%. You can tell even this morning, uh, well after the witty, still bursting with pride. You can just hear it. Hear it in his voice. That was Glass of Rosé winning the first race yesterday. Let's go to a couple of the other races at Eagle Farm. We'll go to the eighth race and point counterpoint. The Armadale visitor was the $3.70 favourite. Here's the replay. 
4.50 left to run. Sagacious slipped away. Second is Mohican Heights. Merber is down the outside. Further back to Scarlet Tufty. Point counterpoint and Indian Dreamer. Back near the inside. Sagacious is still the leader. Running home well as Mohican Heights on the outside. Further back to the inside. Indian Dreamer. Point counterpoint down the outside. Mohican Heights has taken over. The outside point counterpoint. Indian Dreamer the fence but Mohican Heights has won. Second point counterpoint. Third Indian Dreamer. Followed by Trevelyan. Sagacious got swamped and then we had Scarlet Tufty. Further back on the field there was Mubariz and Beret with Show and Southern Rocket Berea. Yeah, Mohican Heights a $21 chance. Second up there yesterday. Was never a factor first up across the road at Doombin. And stewards did query Brett Killian, who's the, the Waller rep. He said the horse worked well and he was expecting a better run yesterday. A horse who doesn't win out of turn, but that's like most of these horses, Ben. They they tend to take it in turns at this level over this distance. Yeah, absolutely. You don't see too many $21 Chris Waller winners in Brisbane, do you? Generally, if they come up here, they, they sort of find their place somewhere near the top of um, betting. So this was a fairly rare Waller roughie, but a nice win for Brodie Loy too, who has just returned, I think, from a couple of weeks overseas. He took a break and, and went to Europe and... Uh, kicked up his heels a bit, and then I think he went to, a, as he described it, a fat camp for a few days. <laughs> to lose, I think I need to go to one of them uh, to lose a bit of weight to uh, to come back and ride. So great result for Chris Waller and Brody Loy. Tony Gollan's our premier trainer, but this season he's been going terrifically. He'll break his record of uh, that he's already has of Metropolitan winners. I think it's 108 and a half. He'll break that no risk at all. And he continued the, the good role yesterday with a winning treble. Ryan Maloney rode all of them. Let's have a listen to one of them, King Kappa. Backed as if unbeatable, $1.30 in race seven. So King Kappa by long neck here. Second, Tremonto. Third, three wide, stuttering. Fourth, the inside, Rhythmic Pulse and Creeping. Ford Acrobatic out four wide. Further back to Safe Work, Mayor Bay. And right towards the outside there is Majestic Shot. 3.50 left to run. King Kappa travelling well at the moment. Led by length and a half. Second, Tremonto. Third, stuttering. Safe Work. Alpha go. Rhythmic Pulse down the outside is Acrobatic. But King Kappa's off and gone. Four lengths in front. Trying hard as Acrobatic with also Tremonto stuttering. Further back to Joviality, but he's fed Inca Mayborn King Kappa and he bolts in again. King Kappa's won it well, second acrobatic, third Joviality, followed by Tremonto. Stuttering, majestic shot, a long way back was Alpha Go, Mayor Bay, safe work, and a rhythmic pulse at the rear. Josh summed it up, King Kappa is airborne, four from four for Tony Gollum. Maloney's been on each time, and he's going through easy classes. He went to class six yesterday, but I certainly don't think the road's ended there, Ben. No, absolutely not. This horse has potentially got Winter Carnival, or if not Winter Carnival, certainly Summer Carnival, uh, written all over him. But, gee, doesn't Tony Gollan have a terrific record when he gets these horses from other interstate stables? And I suppose you could say, well, well, fair enough, some of these horses are coming from... I mean, this horse came from Joe Pride, you know, gets horses from the Snowdens and whatever they, they are generally. Um, you know, I suppose some of these are expensive horses to start with, but... He seems to um, really click with these sort of new stable uh, acquisitions. I mean, this this horse has had a few trainers. I think he started uh, life with Toby and Trent Edmonds, I think, on the Gold Coast, went to Joe Pride, and now um, just uh, is walloping his opposition for Tony Gollan. So where to from here? I think they'll let, let the dust settle a bit. Will winter come up too quickly? Maybe. Um, so he's not winter. He's certainly a carnival horse of some variety, I'd suggest, if not winter, summer. Well, it's worth keeping in mind, of course, he is a Magic Millions graduate. He was a 50k purchase, so there's some nice races come just less than 12 months' time for King Kappa.
That's our show for this morning. Ben, thanks for that. You'll be with Andrew Brown on Press Room tomorrow morning. Yeah, I will. And we've got a bit to look forward to from a Queensland point of view in the coming week. Uncommon James um, is obviously first up in Melbourne um, in uh, next Saturday. Uh, party for two, the little Queensland filly. The uh, Damien Batters is daring to dream, setting her down there on a Blue Diamond Pass. She'll race next Saturday. And I think Vega won as well. Uh, he's racing in Sydney for Tony Gollan. So... Bit of um, bit of Queensland interest with these horses starting to go interstate for the autumn, David. Good on you, mate. We'll talk soon. Thanks, mate. There is Ben Dorries joining us this morning here on Past the Post. And once again, thanks for your company. As I outline, Andrew Brown will present a press room tomorrow. I'm back on deck with you at Eagle Farm on Wednesday. Looking forward to being back in the chair. Until then, you have a good day. Bye-bye.